0: This message comes to you from BCC, a missional, vibrant and life-bringing church in the heart of our community. For more information, go to bccweb.com. Uh, We're in this series of movement and multiplication, week two of the book of Acts. And last week we just started to scrape the beginnings of Acts 1 and we we got just about to the first sentence of Theophilus and and who was Luke. Uh, If you want to know a bit more about the introduction and why we're looking at movement and multiplication, you'll need to go back to the previous week. But um, it's an exciting situation. We We believe that the church here in Bromley is ready to multiply we believe God is speaking to us about it multiplying that means he has drawn you to this church for a purpose he's drawn you to the church because there are things that you need to understand um, who Jesus is maybe the first thing. Maybe you have no real grasp of who Jesus Christ is. Maybe you think he's just a good man, a wise man. Maybe you don't even know if he really existed. Well, we want you to join the Alpha course. Uh, we had the, the kicker for the adult Alpha on Saturday morning. It was very well attended with four tables of ten. Um, we had Youth Alpha this week with 40 youth came down. In fact, they, had to, they hadn't catered for as many as, as arrived. So it's exciting, isn't it, that, that people want to know. We've had families phoning the church saying, um, can our children come and join your Youth Alpha program? We're really keen for them to understand the truth of who Jesus Christ is. And so that's exciting. I think, I think that deserves a cheer because I think youth and the, uh, Luke and the team have done a fantastic job. A fantastic job of of bringing that opportunity. You know, and what we're going to do with Youth Alpha is allow those, uh, if you like, mature believers in Youth Alpha to take more responsibility for running Youth Alpha. How about that? They'll be running tables. They may even be speaking at Youth Alpha in the future and they're not even 18. How about that? Isn't that an exciting thing? That the youth are taking responsibility for themselves. (laughs) Obviously, at this point in time, we've got great adult support around them from the youth leadership team. But it's exciting what God is doing. Movement and multiplication is something that God has always intended. He never, did, he never said to us that it was all about staying static and staying small. <laughs> he never said it. He, said, he never said, come to me and you'll find out how you can preserve your life and keep yourself intact and, and just stay small and not tell anybody about anything. That's not true, is it? Last week we looked at Jesus. He, he came to this earth um, as God, uh, but he came as a man and he was raised from the dead and we talked about the resurrection of Jesus Christ being the pivotal point in history it's the resurrection the being born uh, dying and rising from the dead that makes Christianity what it is it's not the building you go to it's not the fact that you call yourself a Christian it's the fact that Jesus Christ died as a man and was raised from the dead the power of God raised him to life again and he ascended to heaven As God, but as man as well at the same time. It's a profoundly important thing. It's not about whether you attend a denominational church, whether you've got a good buddy who goes to church, or whether your mum and dad went to church. It has nothing to do with that. It's got everything to do with the fact that whether you believe that Jesus Christ died a sinless man and was raised to life again and has ascended to heaven as God. If you believe that, then give your life to Jesus Christ. Say, I want to make you Lord and Saviour of my life and I want to follow you because... Because this happened, I believe it happened, I'm convinced it happened, therefore I want to surrender my life to you. And if I surrender my life to you, I know that you will navigate my life and you'll take me into all the things that God himself, the creator of everything in the universe, wants to put into my life. You were never created to be abandoned as an orphan, as a child without a parent, you were never created for that. God created you to know him and despite your failings and your flaws and your and the things you do wrong, he says, you know, you'll never be good enough to be perfect. But if you put your trust in me, you will be perfect. Because my love for you is so big, it will overwhelm you. And you will realize that it's not what you do, but it's what I do. This is God. It's Jesus Christ. What he's done for us that enables us to become believers and followers of Jesus Christ. It gives us a certain hope and a set future. And it's important we make that decision. And maybe today you're in this room and you've never made that decision decision to say i'm going to follow jesus christ i'm going to give my life to him i'm going to abandon all my agendas for his agenda if you've if you've if you're holding on to your agenda you need to give up your agenda and realize that god is working in this world there's 1.9 billion people on this planet who would call jesus lord Out of the seven billion, that's what they estimate. That's a huge number of people. You know, Jesus will return. That first song we sang in the worship time this morning, Jesus is going to come again, and he's going to do the most extraordinary things when he does. But that's stuff we've got to learn about and and discover as we explore the scriptures. But for us, we need to know where we're set and what we're looking towards. And as we look at this book of Acts, we see some key things. And last week in Acts 1, we we talked about the promise Acts 1, 4 and 5. Um, Jesus had died. He was resurrected. And he came to this earth for 40 days and spent time with his disciples, proving he was alive. And it said in verse 4, when he, once when he was eating with them, he commanded them. It wasn't optional. He didn't say, you know, if you can be bothered to turn up one day. He, said, he commanded them. He said, now do what I tell you to do. He said, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water... But in just a few days, you will be baptised in the Holy Spirit. He made a command to them. Why? Because he wanted to commission them. There was a command. You know, and then it said, we read last week about um, the fact that Jesus then was resurrected. Or a few days later, he was resurrected. Or just afterwards, he was resurrected. But, you know, some of us think that when Jesus said on the cross, it is finished, that was it. He was abandoning the world in a sense he was abandoning the earth it's all down to you it's whether you're a good guy bad guy it's down to you it's what you do with what you've got you know whether people are saved it's all down to you it's not you know Jesus we, we looked last week that um, Luke who wrote the book of Luke the doctor and he also wrote the book of Acts he wrote a sequel one running into the other and you know in in a sense Tom Wright says it's not the acts of the apostles but it's the acts of Jesus Christ and what he's done is he's, he's deliberately empowered the church to do what he was doing when he was alive. To do what he was doing. And in fact, it's not over. Even though Jesus on the cross said, it is finished. What was finished? What was finished was the debt was paid. The sins were covered. Wrath was removed. Satan was mortally wounded. Yet, Jesus was just beginning his mission. And we are in his mission. We're not just here because we've got nothing else to do on a Sunday morning. We are here yeah. called into his purpose, into his mission. We are called for purpose. We're not called just to be attenders. We're not called to celebrate this good guy. We're here to do the very things that he established for us to do. It says in Hebrews ten twelve, When Christ had suffered for all time a single sacrifice for all sin, he sat down at the right hand of God. Why did he sit down? Because he commissioned his church to be his hands and his feet. This is incredible. He paid the price for sins once for all time. Once for all time, Hebrews 10, 12 says, once for all time. So despite the fact that Jesus said it's finished, his job at that point in time was finished. But the actual impact of Jesus and his church, his kingdom, was just beginning. Just beginning. It just beginning, there's some incredible moves of God going on around the world right now. And in Britain, we're stuffy and we're all introverted and we all want, we're all worried about Scotland, the United Kingdom. You know, why don't we get with the plot? It's not about the United Kingdom, it's about the Kingdom of God on this earth. Right, it's about that Kingdom. You saw how passionately people were, were going for the yes or the no vote. And you know, everyone wanted to know on was it Friday morning. But, you know, what was the result? And there's a 10% difference and everyone. Some are rejoicing, some are just frustrated. But you know what? The kingdom of God is eternal. It's not, you know, whether England, Scotland, Wales, and Northern Ireland are united. Even though that's a great example of the unity that can exist in a human kingdom. Imagine the power in, an earth, uh, in, a, in the kingdom of God, which is a spiritual kingdom, and what it can achieve. You know, it says in Romans 15, 18-19, eight, it says, For I will not venture, this is Paul, I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me. To bring the, uh, the, the Gentiles to obedience uh, by word and deed. But, the power and, but by the power of signs and wonders uh, and the power of the Spirit of God. Paul recognized and he said to the Romans, Christ is accomplishing something through him. And that's what God wants to do with us. He wants to accomplish things through us. It's not about our job. It's not ultimately about our family. It's not ultimately about being in this church. It's about his kingdom and what Christ wants to accomplish through us. And Matthew 16, 18 says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I will build my church. The ecclesia. We are part of that global ecclesia. And God is looking for us to reach those people in our community and around God will accomplish the works he needs to accomplish you know in the prayer meeting this week I shared my pain of having to surrender my passport to the Indian High Commission to get a visa to go to India a week after I get back from Macedonia. And we were really concerned. I mean, I was thinking I might not even be able to go to Macedonia this coming week because they were saying it was going to take days and days and days. And then I made a couple of mistakes, uh, but actually the website was very difficult to understand. It took us a day and a half to figure out what to do. And the clock was ticking and we were getting really stressed out. Will I get my passport back? But on Wednesday night, we prayed. That passport had gone in and they said a minimum of four days, which takes us right into next week. But by God's grace, that passport was back by Friday morning. (laughs) Two days, not four days. Vlad went to London and picked it up. Why? Because God's intending to accomplish the things he wants to accomplish and he will make things happen. So God God provides. So the first thing was the promise. The second thing was the purpose. The ascension of Jesus Christ was the dawning, if you like, of his spirit-filled kingdom on this earth. You know, when the disciples looked at him going up and th- into a cloud, the cloud is a picture of the presence of God. It's almost like a picture of a heavenly presence of God. And it says in Acts 1.8, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. You will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. But Jesus had resurrected He'd gone up into the heaven. Into heaven. They'd seen him disappear. And it, it talks about this cloud. Well, God, that cloud is a, like a, a picture reference to the presence of God. Jesus went up into the presence of God. That's what he did. But the whole point of the Holy Spirit is that God is bringing the presence of God down to us. So Jesus had to go up into his presence to... Um, to see the Holy Spirit released down to his church. It was the way it had to be. And what God's doing, there's a whole picture, language and theology in that, of how God has, Jesus has ascended. You know those disciples would have looked up and thought, what are we going to do now? Our leader's gone. He's the one who does the miracles. He's the one who's been teaching us for three years. He's the one who's, you know, everything he said would happen, happened, but what do we do now? Imagine how you'd feel, the power source has just disappeared into a cloud. Mm. What are you going to do now? Well, God was preparing them for purpose, for movement and multiplication. He had to prepare them through those painful experiences. So in Acts 1, 9, 11, after saying this, he was taken into the cloud while they were watching. It's extraordinary. And while they were standing there, an angel comes alongside them, and, or two men, And they say, what are you doing staring up into the cloud? But God wants us not to be staring helpless, but empowered. Not staring helpless, but empowered. You know, we were on a holiday in the summer, and I had a really, really moving thing happen to us when we were away. It was meant to be relaxing. And every morning I was waking up super early before the rest of my family, I would say, up at the crack of dawn, getting those towels by the... You know, despite all, it was a hotel full of our German friends, <laughs> therefore you had to get up early, <laughs> actually it was brilliant, there was never competition for space, but I just, you know, if you get up early, you want to read the Bible, you want to pray, and you want to get your towel on that bed as soon as possible, <laughs> anyway, it was, a di- it was a different holiday, most of our holidays have been active holidays, this is the first time in four years we'd had the opportunity of chilling out a little bit in that sort of way. But one morning I I'd, I'd get up, I go and eat on the veranda, and there was probably two or three hundred people in this hotel, and they had this veranda that was a floor and a half up a, above the, if you like, the, the ground level, and you had beautiful views of the sea and and the uh, you know, pool and all that sort of stuff. So you can imagine it was a beautiful spot to have breakfast, and the sun was up, and, and I'd get down there first off, and I was literally in there at the beginning. I'd have my whole jug of coffee before the rest would come down. I'd sit there, had my iPad out, looking at some stuff I was reading, some devotional stuff. Just loving it, At same table every single day, and the waiters were starting to know exactly what our needs were. They came and set out the extra places for the kids, and you know, it was just brilliant. But one morning, we, in fact, we'd seen a, a German, two German families, and there was this one girl called uh, Cleo, and Cleo was hyperactive, or something, she was on that sort of spectrum. She was super hard work. I had great sympathy for the parents. But that morning, Cleo, who was always making noise, two years old, and she'd just run. You put her down, she would run places. And the par- i don't know how they coped with her. Quite frankly, it's very, very tough. She's a beautiful little girl, and um, bold as brass. And this morning, the parents were sitting on one side of the veranda, and little Cleo legged it straight to the balcony edge. And it, all it had was a wire about that high—that's maybe a, you know, 20 centimeters above the ground—and then another gap. I mean, I don't know how they kept that thing safe, but to me it was dangerous. But um, this little Cleo, I'm watching her run, and I was just stuck. Because I didn't want to shout, because you don't want to do something that's going to cause another problem. But I thought, I can't get to her before she gets under this thing. And she dived for this wire, slid her backside under it, her legs were dangling over the edge, her shoe fell off. I'm telling you, when you see someone's shoe fall off, you think, she's about to go. I was, my whole heart felt like it was stopping. The agony of being able to do nothing was horrendous. And And then her brother legged it over and he just grabbed her shoulders. Can you imagine the picture of this child just, I mean, all she needed to do was pull herself and she was over. And she wouldn't have known not to. And I just, I just watched this thing. I, I just couldn't move. I was frozen. And, you know, sometimes as believers, if you are not empowered to do something, you can be stuck. You can, you can see the inevitable about to happen. And thank heavens, this, this, the brother, who's only about seven, just held her shoulders and called to his mum and dad and they legged it over and grabbed her. And I thought, that was terrible. That could have been a tragedy right in front of us. But that's what's happening in the kingdom of God you know we're watching people run into the wire we're watching people dropping over the edge and actually we feel unempowered to do anything about it well that's what God wants to address he wants to give us his power to do something about it he wants to give us supernatural power you know this happened again later in the week that time I was ready for it. As soon as I saw that little girl leg it, I legged it over <laughs> and I got there before she hit the wire. She was so shocked she fell forward and I grabbed her. Yeah. And uh, Liz said, you shouldn't have picked her up, it's not that. <laughs> you know, anyway, I thought, you know what? <laughs> I've just saved someone's life. <laughs> anyway, but you know, we, God wants to empower us to make a difference, not to be static, staring, wondering, what can I do, what can I do? And you know what, the third point in Acts 1 was the person, you know, the person, Judas betrayed Jesus and ultimately was replaced and the disciples, after Jesus had ascended, they were together for 10 days, you know that, they were there for 10 days after Jesus ascended. What did they do? They went and met together, but they also went to the word, really important. Sometimes we go for the Holy Spirit because we're Pentecostal in background here, but these guys went to the word. And they realised that the Word said, Peter said, look, the Word says that it should be 12 of us. And so they, they through lots, uh, decided that they would appoint another to their ranks. But it was interesting, they went to the Word. And sometimes we want to go straight to the Spirit, but actually we forget that there are things that need to be fulfilled in the Word as part of the fulfilment of the Spirit. And so they appointed another to be part of their group. But Matthias and Justice are never mentioned again in the New Testament, you know that. You'd think an apostle appointed would be someone of high calibre. And clearly he was. But the fact is, uh, neither of those men, and they were both put forward for the option to serve. But God's, it says in the scriptures in verse 24 of Acts 1, that God knows every heart. And he'll decide who to choose. And he made the choice. And as a result, they got. A, you know, a man is appointed to become an apostle. When we are called into God's service, there's a specific calling that takes place. It's not to be necessarily the pastor. It's not necessarily to be um, a children's worker. It's to be a witness to Jesus Christ and to have all his power in you. And yet the world may never know who you are, but God knows who you are. Why? Because he knows what's in the heart of every man. Hudson Taylor knew that story. He was called to China in the 1850s. And his obedience, that calling, led to 800 missionaries Going to China, he began 125 schools and saw 18,000 decisions for Christ. Now China has 100 million Christians in it, and I had the honour of going to China a few years ago with Neil and Aileen, and to see what God is doing there in the underground church is amazing. Liz, pass me those two books, would you? And um, the stories of the underground church. We're not going to talk about it much this morning because it's just. A huge story but the work amongst the underground church is incredible and just rec- a few years ago i met a guy called brother yun who wrote this book called the heavenly man if you've never read it and you want to be inspired about the power of god and the move of his spirit read this book this guy walked out of the, the toughest prison in china as a believer just walked out of a high security prison after being beaten after being put in solitary confinement after being condemned Uh, after being persecuted as a believer in the underground church. Incredible story. And the power of God opened prison doors. Earthquake is the theme for the Sunday night on the 5th, isn't it? The 5th of October, the night before the week of prayer and fasting. Every quarter as a church, we will pray and we will fast. We want the earth to shake with God's presence. We don't want to be sitting here what else can I do? We want to be sitting here knowing that God is involved in what we're doing. And when we pray, God opens prison doors. And that's an incredible story of Brother Yun who walked out of a, a high security prison because he was a man who was also called. So God will call people. You know, it, it's, it's the promise, it's the purpose and the person And as we flip into today and we look at Acts 2, this is where it gets ultra uber exciting. Ten days after Jesus ascended to heaven. The disciples, I don't think, knew when this was going to happen. 120 of them together in those ten days. They'd gone to the scriptures. They're in worship. They're in prayer. They're just trusting God. When are you going to come through with this promise? Are you going to come through? And Acts 2, 1 to 6, let's read it. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven. "...like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then they looked. Uh, then, what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking with other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At that time there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers." This is the birth of the Ecclesia in the Bible. It's the most extraordinary account recorded in detail by Dr. Luke. I told you about his background and who Theophilus was and the importance of getting the scriptures right, getting the text right and what the reasons were behind that. But this is the most amazing thing that happened. You know, Passover was a Jewish, and is a Jewish ritual. You know, Jesus... And the Last Supper happened at the time of Passover. Right? And Passover, under Jewish, Jewish tradition and principle, was when the first chief of barley harvest was presented to God. The first chief of the barley harvest. But there's another celebration in Jewish custom, which is Pentecost. It exi- we call you know hyperactive Christians, <laughs> who like to get happy-clappy and say things as they would like them to be, and get all out of themselves Pentecostal. I don't want to do a, be a downer on Pentecostals, because we are a Pentecostal church. But you can be hyped up on Pentecostalism, and actually not realise that Pentecost existed before the day of Pentecost. It was a Jewish first fruits, wheat harvest presentation to God. It was something in the Jewish calendar, and took, took place 50 days. Penti means 50. It took place 50 days after the first Sunday after Passover. That's how it was in their tradition. And God had purposely aligned his Holy Spirit to come 50 days in line with the calendar that the Jews were following. And even Pentecost, you know, in Jewish tradition, the the day of Pentecost or the the fullness of Pentecost was also a a landmark point for when Moses gave the law. Did you know that's why that was part of their celebration? Pentecost was when they celebrated the law of Moses being given to the people can you see what God's doing he's shattering the obligations of the law and revealing the power of his own spirit on the same day he's shattering you know yes the law must be fulfilled but what he's saying is I will completely fulfill the law and I'm going to replace it in a sense he fulfills the law, but then he gives us the power to do what the law could never do. He fills us with the Spirit. It's not accidental. How did the disciples realize it? I'm not sure they had realized it. Pentecost is called the day of firstfruits in Numbers 28, 26. The day of firstfruits. When we give tithes and offerings, it's our firstfruits that we give. It's not the law. We're not under the law when we give tithes and offerings. You know that. We don't practice the law when we do that. We practice the principle of firstfruits. That goes way before the law. The principle of fruits was a practice that the, the, the Israelites had before the law. Abraham, the principle of firstfruits. Yet we get all consumed by the law. We're supposed to be consumed by the Holy Spirit and recognise God's principles. You know, Spurgeon said that in Leviticus 23, 15-22, there was an instruction at Pentecost and the priest would take two loaves of leavened bread and wave them before the Lord, interesting, why did God say bring the two loaves of bread, unleavened bread? And Spurgeon says, why two loaves? Not only will Israel be saved, but a multitude of Gentiles will be turned to the Lord Jesus Christ. So God had already planned the day of Pentecost in its fullness right back during the law, which was inadequate. So what happened in Acts 2? Verse 1, the community of believers starts to form. They're together, they're united. It's, Acts 2 is all about community. It's in the beginning of Acts 2 and it's the end of Acts 2. And Adam will t- pick up on Acts 2 next week. The kingdom invaded that community. The power of God's kingdom invaded from heaven. They'd seen Jesus go up as if on a cloud. But the power of God now is going to descend into his people. Empower us on the inside. So the community is formed. Acts 2.2, 2, the commission takes place. One line, one incredible line, Acts 2, verse 2, how the Holy Spirit moves. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven, like the, the roaring of a mighty windstorm. Four principles of how the Holy Spirit moves. Suddenly, suddenly, whether it's loud or it's quiet, there will be a sound. Suddenly, suddenly. You know, when I've heard the Holy Spirit move, it has been a suddenly. Often it's a suddenly, even if it's very quiet. On this occasion, it was a loud noise. And where's the suddenly come from? It comes from heaven, not from earth. It's not something we create, it's something that God does. God comes into us and it's mighty. It's full of force, comes with great power. When we're equipped with the Holy Spirit, when we're baptised in the Holy Spirit, God fills us with capacity to think differently and to just do the unexpected, do the extraordinary. And you may be feeling, look, my life, my Christian life is inadequate. I feel like I'm just not being effective. If I would ask you to put your hand up this morning and I say to you, do you feel like your Christian life is really effective? What would, don't answer it, but what would be your response? If your response is, no, I need it to be more effective. I'm telling you what you need. You need the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. You're saved, born again by the Holy Spirit. You're not second class, but there is definitely an anointing, a baptism of the Holy Spirit. Acts 8 tells us all about it. Philip in Samaria, You know, the the, the people in Samaria saw what Philip was teaching. They were baptised. They they were baptised in the name of Jesus Christ. They wanted to follow uh, Philip, but then James and John come from Jerusalem and they lay hands on them and they're filled with the Spirit. Every time God moves, he does it in different ways. We don't have to expect tongues of fire and mighty rushing winds to be our experience, to be filled with the Spirit. I know as a young teenager, I was thinking, oh, I'd love to be filled with God's Spirit, but I'm only going to really go for it when I see the tongues of fire you know, and, the, and, the, and the mighty rushing wind. Otherwise, it's not the real deal. That's not true. All you need is someone to lay hands on you who's got faith, and you've got faith, and you can be filled with God's Spirit. And this morning, we're going to do that. In a few minutes we're going to go into worship and we're going to invite the Holy Spirit to completely come into every one of us. Why? Because we are together, we're united as a church, we're beginning to move into movement and multiplication. We're going to another service in a couple of weeks' time on the 12th god is about to do some extraordinary things there are 17 people as a result of last saturday who want to be part of pioneering new missional responsibilities in the community there'll be more come in we're seeing the youth people being drawn to the youth alpha the adult alpha is just about to start we could what happens if we get 50 people respond to the gospel in the next six weeks or the next two months? What are we going to do? Make them sit out in the car park while we have a good service. We've got to change the way we do what we do. We've got to allow God to lead us. We've got to allow God's spirit to inspire us. We've got to allow God's Spirit to take us to the places of boldness that we've got to be. You know, those tongues of fire. They come to purify. It's a picture of purification. When the Holy Spirit comes, he'll purify us and he'll begin to sort out the mess in our lives. Why? Because we are people of mess. That's the bottom line. We need cleaning up from time to time. But Luke 11:13 says, then you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So this morning, we're going to ask God to give you the Holy Spirit. It's his gift to you anyway but we want you to be filled with the spirit so Adam join me this morning this is a compelling time for us you know when the people heard and worship team please join us when the people heard the sound did they hear the sound of the as though it was a mighty rushing wind not sure they, I think they may have done because it said it came down from heaven it was as though it came down from heaven well if it, it wasn't just in the room then it was it was right up there just as they'd seen Jesus go I think people had sensed that, heard it, been drawn to it but then they were filled with this ability to speak in tongues the Holy Spirit when he comes into your life will never leave you the same he will change you this morning we want people to be filled with not just the ability to speak in tongues because that's not the end point the end point is to be empowered to do mission to the ends of the earth that's the end point and what we're going to do is we're going to ro- rock it up a little bit so that God can talk to us and just minister to us and know there's freedom. So we're going to have some worship. Let's stand this morning. Let's stand. Now maybe you're sitting there thinking, I don't want to be involved in this. Well, no pressure. But I believe God is going to move on this meeting. And if you want to be filled with the Spirit, you ask God to fill you with the Spirit. And if you want to be filled with the Spirit, as we worship, we'll give you some guidance during the meeting. But we're going to pray right now that God moves in this meeting. There are spiritual gifts. Last week we talked about the cheeses. Today, there may be six areas in your life that have got incompleteness in them. We want God to start to pour into you those gifts and release those gifts into your life. What is it? Many people put their hands up last week and said, Yes, I need more from God. There are things I know that God wants to give me and I want them. So this morning we're going to do that. So let's just bow our heads and pray and then we'll go straight into worship. So Heavenly Father, we thank you Lord that you gave us Jesus. But Lord God, you've also given us your Holy Spirit. And Lord Jesus, you've, you've given him to us. Lord God, and this morning, your word says that all we need to do is ask. And you'll give. Lord, if people who are sinful and evil know how to give good gifts, how much more do you want to give good gifts? And so this morning, as we worship God, we want you to come in this meeting, anoint people. And Lord, we pray, God, that you put it in people's hearts to cry out to you, to be filled with the Spirit. And as we pray, Lord, this morning, may you anoint people with your Spirit. God, may you baptize them with your Spirit. Lord, may they be filled in a new way. In Jesus' name, amen.